everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club. I'm your host, Dr. Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. And it's our final episode for the year, or indeed, our first episode for the new year. It is 2021 in review. This is where we look back over the films that we watched on the podcast in the year of 2021, and we run through the best and worst of the films that we reviewed on the programme this year. 52 films were watched over the course of 2021 in a variety of conditions, both uh, summer and winter, lockdown and not lockdown, and all sorts of different genres and time periods. A really, really interesting year. We're going to start by looking at the top five ranked films for the year. At number five, based on the rankings of myself and the two panellists, is Contact. Now, Contact was picked by Katrina Johnston as her film for uh, her 25th appearance. This science fiction epic, originally written by uh, Carl Sagan as a book and adapted into a film, is really, really strong. Uh, It got an average score of 8.66 out of 10 across the three panellists. I'd never seen Contact before. Um, And it's a really interesting sort of um, progenitor of a film slash book like The Martian. It's one of those texts which takes uh, a lot of the scientific understanding of the time very seriously and tries to implement it. And the idea of discovering a a contact from an extraterrestrial species and how that might be deciphered and how indeed those extraterrestrials found out about humanity from the broadcasts and uh, it was just very well put together. Jodie Foster is is Jodie Foster. She's brilliant. Uh, it was, was really, really fantastic. A really great cast. Um, a surprisingly hard film to get a hold of, uh, at least in Australia at the time. It wasn't streaming anywhere, um, and it was very difficult to track down even a DVD copy. But uh, if you can watch Contact, absolutely do. Uh, even this many years on, it, it still holds up and is well worth your time. At number four, Citizen Kane. With an average score of 8.86 out of 10 across our three panellists, Citizen Kane turned 80 this year, and so we went back and watched it, and my goodness, that awesome Wells knew how to put together a film. It it is one of those films that is constantly discussed as being an all-time classic, and it is remarkable. Some of the imagery from that film still sticks with me very early on when um, the investigations are being made into what the meaning of Rosebud is and the investigator goes to this giant vault that belongs to um, uh, another dead rich guy who who isn't Citizen Kane, Uh, but he's going to read the diaries to learn about uh, the early life of Charles Foster Kane. The way that those sets um, are are shown, uh, these grand pillars and buildings, and it's very almost mythic in its um its look its its construction it's it's a fabulous film very entertaining um and and Orson Welles you know it is his magnum opus first first time out the gate he absolutely nailed it um and obviously he, he never quite hit those heights again with anything he produced afterwards but I mean, how could you? Citizen Kane was was marvelous and uh, the fact it features in our our top five 80 years on from its creation is um it shows that it's a really remarkable film if you haven't seen citizen kane 
give it a watch. At number three, another older film, this one 75 years old, It's a Wonderful Life, getting an average score of 9.33 out of 10. One of the two Christmas films that we watched this year, It's a Wonderful Life, um, is a wonderful film. Um, full disclosure, I love this film. Uh, I, 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 I've, I've watched it most Christmases since I first watched it a couple of years ago. Um, and... I was really pleased that um, our two guests, uh, particularly our guest who hadn't seen it, uh, Nicola, who is our resident Christmas film expert, I'm really glad that she and and Shane both really enjoyed this watching. Uh, It's just such a well-told story. Obviously, uh, Jimmy Stewart in the the lead role um, is is just wonderful as as George, as this man who um, is constantly putting others before himself, despite the fact that he could quite easily not do that. And and I think it's really important that they show that, you know, his his selflessness is not just an automatic response, that there is no conflict. He is conflicted, and he does get frustrated by the life that he feels he's been forced to lead because of um, circumstances beyond his control, like taking over the bank, uh, the savings and loan uh, building after his father dies. Um, you know, not being able to go to war because of his uh, being deaf in one ear. It's it's it, there's just all of these little things that pile on top of him. But but the film does such a good job of making you root for him. And uh, it's got two scenes that um, I I will almost always uh, be close to crying at or, or cry at. And it's the um, the the honeymoon, the impromptu honeymoon that um, George and Mary have in the ramshackle old house when they can't go on their their trip to Hawaii, and um, uh, you know, like Bert and Ernie are there outside singing songs. It's it's just a wonderful, beautiful scene of um, of of showing George everything that he wants is right there in Bedford Falls, really, but also about just the community coming together and helping and indeed the final scene of the film um when everyone comes in and and you sort of see um a positive comeuppance i guess uh george gets his reward from the community coming together to to help save uh him and the saving loans building it's 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 just it's wonderful it's in the it's in the title it's a wonderful life is a wonderful film an average score of 9.33 out of 10 absolutely worth watching at number two and I do acknowledge that this might be a strange one to be finishing so high up on the list, but with an average score of 9.5 out of 10, it's Speed Racer. I'm as surprised as you. When our patrons over at patreon.com forward slash CCUC podcast, uh, so when, they, when they selected Speed Racer as a potential sports film to watch, and when our audience um, voted for it, I was like, okay, Speed Racer, that's that. Uh, anime car film that I never watched from 2008 uh, and um, I was like okay yeah I'll give it a watch I was not prepared for just how brilliant that film is as a critique of um, sport as a critique uh, not just of motorsport but sport in general and the influence of um, outside interests particularly um, capitalist business interests on sport um, it's got one of the best 
um, protagonist parents um, combination in in a film I've seen uh, with John Goodman and uh, Susan Sarandon as the the dad and the mum who are part of you know Team Speed Racer. Um, it, it's just got this wonderful uh, attitude. It's got this wonderful vibe. Um, it has Roger Allen. I had no idea he was in it. He is um, one of my favourite actors, and having him playing the villain um was was just wonderful and tonally it's it's a really interesting film as well where it has these very serious moments for what is nominally a kids film about cars going very fast and uh you know a little boy and a monkey occasionally hiding in the boot um it, but it's it's a it's a really good film that's the thing. I, the, the visual language isn't for everyone. There's a sort of wacky cartoon but real visuals of the car races that happen. The, the, obviously, the, the hyper-colourful imagery that is, that is shown is um, maybe not to everyone's taste. And it has been more than 10 years. Some of the green screen slash blue screen technology that they were using maybe doesn't look as good as other films that have been done. But I think Speed Racer is marvellous. Um, and... Robert Woods uh, is a massive fan of, of that film and he, he gave it a 10. Um, and I, I can absolutely see why. It, it is a remarkable film, a remarkable kids film that I, I do think is, um, is 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 overlooked quite quite sadly, really. It, it's well worth a watch. It was definitely the film that surprised me most in 2021. Um, and if you can, watch it on as big and high quality a screen as possible we watched it on a um on a big projected image um and it was glorious um the sound design is is fantastic it's it's a really good film i i certainly think it was one of the best films we watched in 2021 it's still surprising it's at number two in, in our in our ranking but um yeah a fantastic film watch speed racer at number one and our film of the year for 2021 it is arguably the film of the year for 2020. It is Parasite, with an average score of 9.83 out of 10. It got two 10 out of 10s, um, one of which was, was from myself. Um, Parasite, unsurprisingly, is a fantastic film. Uh, the, the first foreign language film to win Best Picture at the Oscars in um, early 2020. It's just brilliant. If you have not seen Parasite and you still don't know that much about it, go and watch it. In fact, pause this right now because I might say some things which would arguably spoil the experience a little bit because it is one of those films that the less you know about it going in, the more I think you will enjoy it. For those of us who have seen it now, I think it's also an eminently rewatchable film. The The dynamics of the family, how the family, um, the, the, the poor family get involved with the, the rich family, um, and slowly integrate themselves into every aspect of the household like parasites. Um, it is fascinating. And then there is a, a mid-film twist where it just gets so enthralling. Um, fantastic performances all round, excellent direction, a brilliant story. Go and watch Parasite. If you've not seen it, go and watch it. Even if you have seen it, go and watch it again. Um, it was an outstanding picture. Um, and one of the best best picture winners, I think, in, in recent years from the Academy Awards. Um, certainly deserved it a damn sight more than, uh, say, a film like Green Book did. Uh, but Parasite is our film of the year for 2021. So 
go and give it a watch. It's fabulous. bottom five films for 2021 the five films with the lowest average score from the panelists and at number five it's beginners uh it was a film that we watched uh to mark the passing of christopher Plummer. Um, beginners was a film uh, for which he won the best supporting actor academy award it got an average score of four out of ten uh from from us watching it and it is not a great film christopher Plummer is very good and arguably yes did deserve the academy award that year um playing this um man in the later years of his life who is um is a closeted homosexual who after his wife of many years um passes on starts living as an out gay man and it's about his relationship with his son played by ewan mcgregor um and it has to be said ewan mcgregor is is very good in this film as well. He he has a lot of heavy lifting to do. Um, the, the main problems with this film kind of come from the script. It's a little... It may be the most hipstery film we watched this year in, in the negative sense of that word. Um, a lot of the people in the life of Ewan McGregor's character um, are just unpleasant people. Um, just people you really don't want to hang out with, or at least I didn't. The, the relationship um, that, that he, he gets into um, is... I, I believe it, but I wasn't necessarily enthralled by it. And, and to be honest, the best bits of this film are when we are flashing back to um, Christopher Plummer. Um, when we're flashing back to the final few years of his life, it's great. And then when we're flashing forward to... Ewan McGregor's character dealing with the grief of that, it's um, it's less good. Beginners is probably not a film I'd say go out and rush to see. Um, and yeah, I think four out of ten is is about right. Um, it's sadly it it doesn't quite achieve what it sets out to do. At number four, the Super Mario Brothers film from uh, nineteen ninety three. Uh, this got an average score of three point one six out of ten. It's a bad film, but I would say of the five films in our bottom five, it's the most enjoyable. Um, it is, it's a mess, but it's a fun mess. Um, Bob Hoskins and um, John Leguizamo as as the Mario brothers, Mario Mario and Luigi Mario, are um, are fine. Um, Dennis Hopper is actually quite good. Uh, Fiona Shaw is outstanding she her and her outfits are the absolute standout of this film but it's a mess um it's 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 strangely shot there's a lot of weird choices happening i quite like a lot of the design elements um and like the 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 super jump spring heel boot things that they have great the the booster boots i forget what they're called um they're quite fun but there's just a lot of weird choices but it's quite it's quite a fun film but it's still a bad film. Uh, so yeah, Super Mario Bros. Um, best of luck for uh, Chris Pratt and Co. with the upcoming Mario film that they're doing. I, I can't imagine that it will be any worse than this film. At number three, 
Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. We covered all four Indiana Jones films on the podcast this year, and you might have suspected another one was going to end up in our bottom five. But in fact, it is Temple of Doom that occupies the spot with an average score of 3 out of 10. For those interested, uh, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, the the other bad Indiana Jones film, actually came 6th sixth, um, sixth and bottom on our overall list. So um, just, just stayed out of the bottom 5 by the skin of its teeth. Uh, but Temple of Doom, I think, absolutely deserves to be lower down on the list than Crystal Skull. Um, I think it's fair to say the Indiana Jones films have gone good film, bad film, good film, bad film. These two bad films are quite similar in that um, they're, they're sort of strange stories that don't really have the, the pace or momentum of the, the two good ones of, of Raiders and Last Crusade. The reason I think Temple of Doom is lower and is finished with an average score of 3 out of 10, quite frankly, is um, quite how openly um, racist the film is. Um However intentional or unintentional, it is problematic, um, the way that it is written, the way it depicts people from, uh, from well, India, <laughs> from that part of the world. Um, the, the, the fact that um, it's also quite a cruel story. Um, and, and, you know, Indy's relationship with, um, with women has, has never been particularly fantastic, but the relationship with Willie Scott is, um, is quite quite bad it's quite badly depicted um and it's it's just not that enjoyable a film and it 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 really reeks of being um a film that probably shouldn't have happened um lucas and spielberg have both admitted subsequently that they were going through very bad uh times with uh, relationships in their lives um george lucas was getting divorced while he was writing this um spielberg had ended or was ending a long-term relationship at the same time as well and uh, I think a lot of that sort of negativity and bitterness that they were feeling came through in the script and then Spielberg has admitted as much in in more recent times. Um, Temple of Doom is a very significant misstep um, but it didn't prove to be a fatal one for the franchise. There are still things to like. The character of Short Round is great um, really, this film should have been called Short Round and the Temple of Doom because he really is the hero in this film. Um, but yeah, aside from from him, it's just a a strange and uh, ultimately quite bad film. So yeah, Temple of Doom coming in third uh, in our bottom five. At number two, it's Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones with an average score of two and a half out of ten. Yep, it it's the worst Star Wars film. I I know there are people out there who might be going, "Ooh, you you haven't reviewed Episode Nine yet," and it I, it may push it close when we eventually get round to Rise of the Skywalker. But but yes, um, Attack of the Clones, I think got off very lightly in general because it wasn't as disappointing as that first Phantom Menace prequel film was. At the time, I feel as though the, the the expectation bar had been set low for for Attack of the Clones by the reception to Phantom Menace, but it 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 fails to clear that. And by comparison, I think Phantom Menace is a significantly better film. It doesn't mean Phantom Menace is a good film, um, but but Attack of the Clones is just filled with terrible 
choices. The story is rambling and all over the place. Um, the acting isn't great, but I, I wouldn't say that it's bad acting. And it's, I, I think actually some of the performances help keep this film from being truly unwatchable. Um, Christopher Lee is he's Christopher Lee. He's very good to watch, uh, even though he's got quite a reduced role in this film as, as Count Dooku. He's, he is still quite important. Um, I, I feel so bad for Hayden Christensen in, in, in this film. It's, it's a really tricky one to come in on. And, uh, the, the way that Anakin Skywalker is written and the way his, um, the way his relationship with Padme is both terribly written and integral to the film succeeding is, is a real double whammy for for Hayden there. Um, uh, he, he's not particularly strong. Nat- Natalie Portman is fantastic in most things, but in, in this, she's just not really given much to do. Um, Ewan McGregor featuring again in, in a bottom five film uh, when maybe the performance doesn't warrant it. He, he as Obi-Wan is maybe the, the, the real saving grace of this film. There are some fun bits, um, you know, seeing um, Obi-Wan and Jango Fett have the, the fight on the rainy clone planet, which the name escapes me now. Um, that sequence is quite interesting. But but even the big finale, the big um, sort of Roman gladiator ring, all the Jedis coming out and fighting and, and the, the clone war beginning, it's just pants. It, it's really just not good. And um, yeah, I... I, I I would be very surprised if any of the other Star Wars films that we review on this program, um, as and when we get to them, will will rank lower than, lower than Attack of the Clones, because this really is a stinker. I'm, I'm sorry to say, if anyone likes this film, well done. You you found some gold that I couldn't. It's, it's rubbish. Uh, and yet, it is not the bottom-ranked film for the year. That honour goes to June 1984. Now, June 1984 also got an average score of 2.5 out of 10, same as Attack of the Clones. But the way we weight the scores in terms of a tie is we go with um, the score given by the guest who had not seen the film. And uh, in the case of Attack of the Clones, uh, I believe Tegan gave it a 3 out of 10. In June, Kate gave that film, uh, Kate Willoughby gave that film 2.5 out of 10. Um, June... I, I also think Warrant's being bottom. It's the film I gave the lowest rank to. It got 2 out of 10 for me. Um, it's just an awful adaptation. And the reason it's awful is because um, it, it, it was never going to work with the circumstances that David Lynch uh, was, was sort of forced into. For starters, trying to make that film in 1984... It, it didn't work because that the, the story of the books is so sweeping and so grand um, that trying to condense that entire book into a two-hour and 17-minute running time was always going to create significant problems. The decision to record um, essentially the first half of the books in quite a good adaptation and then the second half of the book um, sort of willy-nilly in the last 40 minutes, it's really bizarre. Um it, it does pretty well in some elements, but but ultimately it's it's just a real drag. It's almost incomprehensible. And if you'd never read June before or didn't have um, someone like Andrew David as we did explaining things, it would be an incomprehensible mess. 
It's almost made worse by the fact that the more recent Dune film that came out in 2021 is really good um, and, and sort of showed how you do it, which is you don't try, try and do the whole book in one go. Uh, but yes, Dune 1984 is our bottom-ranked film for the year of 2021 on the Cinema Catch-Up Club. So there you have it, our top five and bottom five films from the year 2021. There were a lot of really excellent films that we got to watch this year. Uh, a couple of uh, honourable mentions I'd like to give out. The Adventures of Baron Munchausen, which we watched for my birthday episode, just missed out on the top five, coming in uh, sixth place with an average score of eight and a half out of ten, is just a tremendous wacky joy. Not for everyone, I will absolutely acknowledge that, but um, but a great film for me i guess i I really like that film and it's it's one that isn't often seen um and it's got a slight python-esque energy to it i mean it helps having eric idle as as one of the main actors in it but it's um and obviously directed by another python in terry gilliam but it's it's marvelous um and just well worth a watch mary poppins um finished in our top 10 and is still a delightful film um, well worth a watch. Thelma and Louise, if you've never seen that film, uh, I hadn't seen it until this year. Um, a really cracking film, absolutely uh, worth a watch. I was surprised how much I enjoyed Halloween 1978, um, the, the original Halloween film. Um, a really good horror film, which um, does some incredible stuff with tension and subverting expectations. Um, definitely, definitely worth a watch, particularly for any horror fans to see how one of these um, early successful slasher films um, does its tricks. Uh, Young Frankenstein got uh, 8 out of 10s across the board and was just an absolute delight to watch. Um, Just a wonderful comedy. The Long Kiss Goodnight ended up being a really fun film as well. Um, An unexpectedly um, enjoyable, if violent, uh, Christmas film. Um, Definitely worth a watch. There were a few other films which um, surprised in different ways. Uh, the Descent um, is maybe the scariest film I've ever seen. Um, if you have not seen that and want to get your pants scared off you, The Descent is absolutely perfect for that. Um, I also haven't seen The Three Musketeers from 1993, um, starring Charlie Sheen and Oliver Platt and all the rest of them, and Tim Curry as uh, Cardinal Rochelieu, and it's... Oh, it's just camp fun. Um, was never going to threaten the the top five positions um, in in our rankings, but but is it's a really fun um, romp. Forbidden Planet holds up very well, um, which which surprised me as well. I, I have very fond memories of of watching that. Um, so yes, a, a very good one, and. I still don't know how to feel about Moulin Rouge, um, even though it's been months since we watched that film um, and I ummed and ahed over whether I liked it or not at the time. I still don't know if I like it or not. Um, we, we're we going to be doing more Baz Luhrmann in the new year. In fact, our first episode of the new year, we are reviewing Strictly Ballroom. Um, so yeah, you can, you can hear uh, my thoughts on another Baz Luhrmann film uh, pretty soon. But Moulin Rouge, I'm still not convinced is is brilliant. My apologies to Anna Weir and anyone else that that really loves that film. Uh, So that was the year that was, uh, 2021. 
um, obviously a, a very challenging year um, across the world for lots of people, um, certainly here in Australia, lots of challenges for many people. We hope that um, this program has in some small way um, helped contribute to um, taking your mind off things or helping you discover new films. Um, it, it is a real pleasure to get to um, to produce this program and the fact we've kept it going weekly for almost five years is um is actually quite remarkable on on reflection um and the plan is to keep it going um in fact our our five-year anniversary is is coming up in march of 2022 so um what we're going to do for that i don't know we'll probably watch a film uh but on, on top of that i'm not entirely sure what we'll do but uh keep an eye out for that um we are starting 2022 as we always do with australian film month where we're going to be watching some australian films uh, strictly ballroom we've already said there'll be a couple of others we'll sneak in a new zealand film probably as well um and yes we've got a whole year of uh, films planned out um when we get to Star Wars Day, uh, we'll be doing Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith, which will almost certainly get a better score than Attack of the Clones, um, just by virtue of not being Attack of the Clones, and uh, lots of interesting and entertaining films coming up um, for us to watch in 2022. Um, the only other film that I would say that we are definitely watching at this stage is uh, 2021's Oscar-winning film for Best Picture, Nomadland. Uh, we'll be covering that sometime in March as well. Um, but yes, we are really looking forward to bringing you another uh, 50 plus films and reviews. Uh, my thanks to everyone that appeared on the programme over the course of 2021. Um, we're very lucky to have such a great uh, community of um, of, of guests uh, from different walks of life, from different experiences, um, big cinephiles, people that apparently have never seen a film <laughs> based on the fact that they only seem to appear on episodes for films they haven't seen, um, but lots of different backgrounds and experiences. And every single one of our contributors is highly valued, whether they were on 10 times throughout the year or just the once, they're all highly valued. And um, yes, thank, thank you so much to them. Uh, thank you to our wonderful uh, patrons over at patreon.com forward slash ccuc podcast um their contributions are really really important for uh, keeping the the machine running there are there are costs um it is entirely possible that um in the next 12 months i might have to update the recording equipment which um we produce this program on and um the the small contributions that are made on the patreon go towards helping us um pay for equipment like that and um you know pay for the uh website hosting rights and, and all of those things and of course accessing the films um I, I think it's really important that uh we we always access these films either through a streaming service or through purchasing uh the film um it's i think i think that's that's really important and i think it's important that we we do do that and we make sure that when we engage with with these artworks that we are that we're putting the money forward and that we are helping contribute to um in some small way to the people that that made these films and of course finally thank you if you're listening right now to this extra bonus episode and uh, for listening to our episodes throughout the year um i'm very much looking forward to bringing you more episodes in 2022 
Um, I'm just looking forward to watching some films, to be honest. Um, and yes, it's it's a delight. It remains a delight. And thank you very much for listening. So until next time, goodbye. <laughs>